There's no business like show business, like no business I know. From the beautifully restored Brownwood Lyric Theater and revitalized downtown Brownwood, it's waxing lyrically. Toto, I have a feeling we're not in Kansas anymore. The podcast devoted to and hosted by our own Lyric Theater players. For the people all said sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. People all said sit down, sit down, you're rocking the boat. Now here's your host for tonight's installment, Val Nelson. And welcome to Waxing Lyrically, episode number 14. This is Valerie Nelson, a.k.a. Val, a.k.a. Ginger Rogers. And I'll be interviewing the infamous Jonathan Harvey today. Mm, infamous. I'm very, very excited because we have actually done a couple shows together and you are one of the first lyric people I met. That's true. The, I, you met me and then I got to basically have you guys backstage helping us change yeah so let's open with that (laughs) because um tuna was the first show i actually worked on and i worked backstage Mm -hmm. as a dresser yep and if people aren't familiar with tuna christmas that was what um 2017 christmas Mm -hmm. i think 2017 you're right 2017 and tuna christmas two guys playing lots of different parts 22 characters maybe i don't remember Wow. Yeah, it was a lot. Lots and, of personalities. Yeah. <laughs> and I got to be a dresser backstage, so I got to see a lot <laughs> of Jonathan Harvey. Uh, yeah. And I got to meet Billy, mm-hmm. who is your wife, who is amazing. No, I was glad to have her back there. It made me feel more comfortable. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so that was one of the many shows you've done at Lyric. Correct. I've never done a show with just two people, so... I bet that was pretty It was cool. a lot. Up until right about the time that we opened, we were working and working and working it. Yeah, you guys did an amazing job on that. I was very impressed. It's my first show at the Lyric being backstage. It's not the first show I saw because I got to see Beverly Hillbillies. That was the first show. And then I saw Oliver. And I know you were in Oliver. I was Oliver. Yeah. I got to play Bill Sykes in Oliver. I really, really enjoyed that role, getting to play on the dark side of things. Let's start out i did i have to admit i facebook stalked you okay and just and i've gotten to know you over the last couple of years mm-hmm. and so i know a lot about your love of michigan right and i know you're from michigan i am how did you get here we moved here in 1986 or 1987 um so my father could go to seminary in texas so we ended up moving from Westland, Michigan, which is uh, my hometown, about 30, 40 minutes outside Detroit, um, down to Arlington, Texas, and grew up there uh, until uh, moved away to Hardin-Simmons. So, um, but coming down here, he went to seminary at Arlington Baptist College, so I spent a lot of time um, in church, and he did um, music minister stuff, youth minister stuff, associate pastor stuff. He was a busy guy, so I got to hang out with a lot of uh, really cool youth group kids um, when I wasn't quite youth group age, and so that made me feel kind of important, uh, <laughs> hanging out with the big kids. But um, 
a lot of really good memories and a lot of uh, really good uh, time spent out that way um, with some of the church groups. Cool. Did you do any theater in Michigan? I mean, you were kind of young. No, when when we moved here, I started the second grade. Uh, I participated in a small musical that we did called Salty the Songbook, uh, which was a guy that basically wore a a costume of a songbook and painted his face blue uh, and (laughs) got to be on stage for that as like a little singing kid, I guess. Um, Think Barney, but like with, I don't know, with like singing kids and then a walking around singing songbook. But anyway, it was a lot of fun. And then I didn't actually get to do real theater until my freshman year. We are talking about waxing lyrically, so we do want to focus on the theatrical aspects of your life. I know there's one show in my past that really got me hooked. Like, mm-hmm. you know, theater, I always try to describe it. It's, it's a passion. You have to have a passion for it, especially doing community theater, because, you know, there's not a lot of financial rewards to doing it, right. if any. But um, what was the one show you did that was like, that hooked you into theater that made you want to keep doing it? I have, I have two. The first show I ever performed in is what really got me hooked. That was my freshman year of high school, and I was cast as the understudy to Judd Fry in Oklahoma. That was a very interesting experience as well because it, it was at the private school, and we did Oklahoma in the round. And so there were four corners that were our entrance and exit points, and um, you had to be very careful to make sure that you're playing to everyone. So it was interesting doing a musical that way, um, but I was the understudy, and for whatever reason, I don't really remember all the details. I just know that the lead couldn't do the show. And so I got thrust into the part of Judd Fry, which I loved. And I was a skinny little freshman and most of the cast were seniors. And so again, I felt kind of cool getting to play with the big kids. And I would talk in a really deep voice, as deep as I could talk and try to be intimidating, even though I was probably like 150 pounds. And um, I had a lot of hair back then, which was nice. But that that was the thing that got me hooked. Um, I remember the director kept trying to pull stuff out of me to get me to be menacing. And I was having a hard time keeping a straight face. And so we had to talk about, you know, times that I fight with my brother and things like that to try to get me angry. Uh, and so that was fun. The, the other one that kind of hooked me was my sophomore year, I got to go with my French class to go watch Les Miserables. Um, the touring company in Dallas and seeing that done professionally hooked me in. So Les Mis holds like a really special place in my heart. And that's probably my dream show if I ever had to choose one. I love Les Miserables. I grew up in Northern Virginia and my mom would take me to Kennedy Center. You know, growing up, we'd see the ballet and we'd see shows. She always wanted me to be well-rounded. And I remember seeing Les Mis. Oh my gosh. I think I I got the first Broadway album, and I think I knew every single word. Yep. And karaoke, I love doing Master of the House yep. with with somebody. It's, it's awesome. <laughs> if so we ever do I, that, I'm your partner. I've oh, got it. Noted and logged. <laughs> so I was going to ask you later what one of your dream roles would be. So you just said Les Miserables. I him and haw back and forth between Valjean and Javert, but I think Javert is probably more my register right now at this age, but I... And I like the the depth of the character. Um, I've already gotten to do one. The other show was Guys and Dolls, and I got to play nicely, nicely. And that singing that song and uh, sit down, you're rocking the boat, and getting to do that was on my list as well. So 
you have an amazing voice and I know, you know, we go to the same church and you sing in choir and I, I just love to hear you sing. Well, thank you. And um, we were in Gilligan together, mm-hmm. which today we have lost Don Wells, Marianne, which is very sad. Oh, no, it is really sad. Um, but for me, doing Gilligan was just really fun. I'm not, singing is not, I, I'm not real good at it, but I, I loved hearing you and you did an excellent skipper and you actually won a lyric award the beginning of this year for that, did. didn't you? I did. Way back in January. Oh I got a nice Before the world went. Before the world went. Crazy. Crazy. But yeah. Um, no, that was a lot of fun. Doing something that was just a campy, good time um, that didn't take itself too seriously was just, just fun to do. Do you prefer doing musicals or do you prefer doing straight shows? Um, I would say I'm more drawn to musicals. I did a lot of choir in high school. Um, I did uh, show choir and madrigal singers, so a lot of chamber music, acapella stuff. Did private voice lessons going into college. Um, I actually went and auditioned for uh, national touring shows right after I graduated high school. And that was very eye-opening. I took my senior picture and went to Kinko's and had it blown up on the back of an eight and a half by 11 and tried to put my resume on the back, oh, which wasn't no. very long. But, but walking into, I auditioned twice, obviously didn't make it, uh, was eye opening to the level of professionalism that was in that room of the singers. And then I went downstairs for the dancing, which if, if you ask my choir teacher in high school, she told me that I danced like Frankenstein uh, with show <laughs> choirs. So you can imagine me walking into professionally trained dancers uh, was a mess. But there's been a few things I've done straight play wise that I've, I very much enjoy. Um, I just don't know that I've had a ton of opportunity for those things. Um, well, Tuna, Tuna yeah, Christmas. Tuna. And then we did um, It's a Wonderful Life radio show together. Yep. That was not a musical. And you're about to do Clue. I am about to do Clue. I'm excited to do Clue. And tell us who you are. I'm playing Wadsworth, to... the faithful butler, um, which if you've seen the movie, is played by Tim Curry. So the fact that I get to play a Tim Curry role is just all too cool because he is a legend. Um, that he is. So... There's a lot of lines, uh, a lot of chaos. Um, the show that I did uh, way back um, here, also that was a straight play, was Moon Over Buffalo that I got to do with Larry Mathis, who's directing us. Um, that's been one of my favorite shows to do here and because it was mostly comedy, fast-paced, running, gags, all that kind of stuff. And I think this show's going to be on par with that. So I'm really excited about this one. So I know you studied psychology. Mm-hmm. And you currently work as a counselor, correct? Or is I have my degree as a counselor. Um, I still see patients occasionally for diagnostics at our agency. I work for Center for Life Resources, um, which is uh, the local mental health authority. Uh, most people know them as MHMR, um, which is an older term. But um, we provide mental health services as well as intellectual developmental disability services to the surrounding seven counties. My actual job there right now is is more in a management style. Um, I oversee our mobile crisis program, which serves individuals that are having a mental health crisis or IDD, intellectual developmental disability crisis. Um, I oversee a COVID-19 support program that's going on right now where we provide local support to individuals that are feeling stressed or overwhelmed by the pandemic or isolation because of the pandemic. And then I also 
assist with um, our suicide prevention program and um, just a number of different hats. But I, that's, that's an, another side of me that I'm really passionate about as well. It's heavy material. It's a definite needed service that unfortunately, unless there's a miracle, I don't, I don't see mental health ever, you know, being, being completely wiped away. It's something that we're always going to need support for probably, but um, the theater definitely lets me have an outlet. Do you think your background in psychology and the things you've learned through your years of working with people and mental health has helped you in your theatrical roles? For sure. Um, I, as, as an undergrad, I double majored in theater and psychology, um, and then I went on and got my master's in family psychology, and the uh, director of our master's program walked in, shook his hand, told him what I was majoring in, and he said, oh, so you can act like you care. And uh, that's always kind of stuck with me, and it gave me a nice chuckle. So, um, but for sure, yeah, this, this stuff uh, allows me to see all kinds of different levels of humanity. And it gives me things to be able to tap into uh, when I need to be able to dig deep emotionally for things. Has there ever been a role that you've done that has been a little disturbing for you to do? Did you ever get too into a role? Uh, Bill Sykes. Uh. Um, that's been the first. I mean, other than Judd Fry that I can think of, I haven't really ever had to play the villain. Uh, and Bill Sykes, uh, you know, is borderline probably had the script shown been been pretty abusive to the kids that were pickpocketing for him he bullied fagan um and at the end ends up murdering nancy so uh it's pretty dark and so there were times when i had to kind of be menacing that in my head i would go to kind of a dark place because naturally i want to be lighthearted and smile at people so it's it was hard to like keep a straight face and and uh and do that kind of stuff. And I would say it was kind of a difficult challenge after that show to kind of pull myself back. It kind of just envelops you and sucks you in. Let's move on to something a little bit happier and lighter. <laughs> Tell me the story of how you met Billy. <laughs> uh, the story of how I met Billy. Billy went to Hardin-Simmons. I went to Hardin-Simmons. We ended up, I want to say, officially being together probably in 2001. And we ended up getting to do shows together um, and share the stage together, which was a lot of fun. If she were here right now, she probably would tell you that the very first show that I did at Hardin-Simmons was Antigone. And I got to play Heyman, which is the love interest for Antigone. And she was cast as part of the chorus. We split the chorus role into like three ladies, um, kind of being the three muses. And our director at the time, uh, God rest his soul, was a really wonderful gentleman, super nice. But he got names confused. And so he looked at her after, after he cast the show and he, he said, I'm really excited to have you as Antigone. And she's like, I'm not, I'm the chorus. And he realized that he had, had switched some people around. Um, and so she'll, she would tell you, you know, she was robbed of being my love interest on stage at that show. But I've loved every second I've gotten to spend with her doing stuff on stage. Um, watching my son perform has kind of come full circle. And it's just fun to stand back um, and be a parent and watch him try to develop stuff the same way that we try to develop stuff and have to let go a little bit. Well, I know during Tuna Christmas, Billy was working as a dresser with me backstage. Mm -hmm. You were on stage acting. And Sam, 
he would be in the dressing room with um watching some movies or yep. you know um so was it's a wonderful life was that the first show where you were all like actively involved in the show we got to actively be together in a show for oliver and we got to actively be together in the show for guys and dolls um he worked as like a little kid pickpocket in guys and dolls um and of course he was one of the little orphans for oliver his first go round, I think, if I remember right, was when he was like four years old and my wife was directing Fiddler on the Roof at Breckenridge High School and he got to be a little kid in the wedding scene. And I remember attending the show and I sat kind of in the middle and I slumped down in my chair as far as I could go because I was terrified he's going to see me, wave at me, hey, say hi, dad, in the middle of the show. And I'm like, I want wanted him to be professional. Um, and he was professional. I didn't have to worry about him waving. Um, but that was fun watching him do that. And then she also directed Shrek, the musical at Bangs High School. And um, watching him get to be little Shrek at the beginning of the show was fun. And uh, for a couple of weeks afterwards, his face was stained green or yellow. And the teacher said he looked jaundiced. But anyway, this, that was fun to do stuff together, too. Um, his very first show with the lyric being behind the scenes was Fiddler in 2009. And he was like a year and a half old. And um, he was watching Toy Story in the green room while the rest of us were on stage and spilling Cheerios all over the floor. So he's been around this group of people for a long time. That's pretty awesome, though. I know it is. I mean, it's a great group of people here. It really is. I I love the fact that he has this community to rely on. I think occasionally when we come up here, we have to remind him that, that this is not his place. Even though he's accustomed to being here, you don't just get to run around and have it be your place. But he does feel at home here, which I love that he has the community. Did you do any community theater in high school or college? I did. Um, My first year of college, I went to junior college um, in the Metroplex at Tarrant County College. I got involved with Main Street Theater, which is in Mansfield. Very similar to this, our dressing room was in uh, a building next door, and we had to walk outside and come around to the back door. One of my best friends at the time got really ill during the show and was running a fever and still had to perform. And uh, we did Kiss Me Kate. And we ended up, I think, recording. um, Don't tell anybody, but I think we ended up recording ourselves singing the track. So occasionally that's something I'll pull out. So that was a really fun time um, with a group of people that were really diverse. Um, And then I got to do a performance of Oklahoma again, kind of came up and... um, in college uh, in Irving at one of their larger theaters there. And um, that was a blast. Just coming back and being a chorus member was just fun. Had a really good time with that. Cool. And how long have you been in Brownwood? I was kind of a transfer to Brownwood uh, when I got the job with Center for Life Resources. We lived in Eastland, and we drove down from Eastland to participate in Fiddler in 2009. And Paul was in that show with me. And I distinctly remember it was a lot of fun because um, if you've seen Fiddler on the Roof, um, when everybody in the tavern's about to sing Lahayam, everybody freezes so Tevia can have a nice little talk to himself. And I remember distinctly Paul had taped a picture of Shrek in the bottom of my beer glass, <laughs> and I would freeze right as I'm taking a drink every night. And he knew that. And so the one night I pulled my glass up and I looked down and there's a picture of Shrek at the end. And I'm trying not to laugh. I'm I'm supposed to be frozen. 
Um, and I distinctly remember that. It was a lot of fun uh, doing that show. But that was my first go around with the lyric. And then I got to be in Harvey that Larry directed not too long after that, back when we were doing stuff at the high school. Have you had any other moments like that where something happened on stage and just when it, you broke character or just is a really funny incident that just is not supposed to happen on stage? Um, yes. I've had a couple mishaps on stage, but um, the, the, <laughs> the one that stands out the most is uh, someone who will remain nameless uh, ended up passing gas on me. Oh my gosh! Are you serious? Uh, Yeah. Uh, So I don't know if the audience was able to tell, but I think those of us on stage were able to tell. So was it? Was it? Did you smell it and hear it? Um, my brain may have blocked out if I smelled it, but I definitely remember (laughs) hearing it. Oh. Uh, but and it was very. It it was just a funny, funny scene. But it was uh, during Moon Over Buffalo. I'm having to redress a certain character and. trying to get his pants back on and so i think it was at that moment when that happened to me uh and so that was already a whole scene in itself uh, where i'm having to redress him and get clothes back on him where every night it was a challenge to not break character just because <laughs> it was funny and that was probably one of the peak moments that the audience is laughing the hardest uh because we have physical gags going on on stage um, so not laughing with the audience was always hard, <laughs> but when that happened, I'm pretty sure I was laughing along with them, uh, at that moment. And then I had to recompose myself to finish the scene. Um, to so, be honest, yeah. sometimes when that happens and you see the actors lose it, it's actually somewhat more entertaining sometimes than the, the right. Act. It's like, that's what the audience might, well, sometimes that's what I remember more from a show, not necessarily how well it went, but you know, the. Live theater. Right, live theater. And I think the other one that I can think of that was that I had a hard time keeping a straight face on was um, we did Beautiful Beulah Bell a number of years ago. That's melodrama. So the audience gets to boo and hiss and have fun with that kind of stuff, which I've had a lot of audience members that have come through ask about doing a melodrama again because they really enjoy that active participation. But we had people hissing. I think it was Austin Bynum at the time. I want to say was the bad guy, but I couldn't remember. Um Anywho, he's being his villainy self to the audience, and everybody's hissing. And I, th- I remember him just off the cuff saying, there sure are a lot of leaky tires out there tonight, and hearing them hiss. And it was just, I, w- I think everybody on stage had one of those Saturday Night Live moments where you know we just kind of coughed under our breath to laugh <laughs> because it, it was just ad-libbed, um, but it was perfectly timed, so... Yeah, I've had those moments. Um, I broke a set piece backstage during Love Rides the Rails, which was another melodrama, trying to move a set piece. Uh, and we, we had built basically a locomotive or the front of a locomotive. And I was trying to move it by myself, which was not a smart idea, and broke part of the train in the middle of the show. And so two or three of us are trying to fix it before the curtains open and it comes back on. Those kinds of, it always seems, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I do, whenever I've had those mishaps, like, it seems like time is moving so fast backstage that, like, you're in a panic. It may be going slowly and perfectly fine out in front of the curtain, but you feel like you're on a stopwatch backstage to try to get it done. It can be frightening backstage when things aren't going right, yeah, um, it's... I've had several incidents, you know, throughout my theatrical 
days where you're just backstage um, scrambling and yeah. Um, I, I, I wish they would do more melodramas here because in Dallas, I did a lot of melodramas mm-hmm. and we encourage audience particulation, part, participation. Yeah. You yell for the hero and boo the villain and all that. And I love that kind of stuff. We're not so intimate here that people can throw popcorn, but I, I know that they've done that in um, Midland, maybe? Midland, Odessa. can't remember. But they have a, a, a show out there that they do almost yearly um, that they uh, people are allowed to throw popcorn. And I know a friend of mine that has done that. Like they try to get popcorn down the front of her or bustier or whatever but yeah that's the pocket sandwich theater in dallas i did a lot of stuff with that they have a lot to clean up but yeah it is a lot to clean up but it's so much fun yeah (laughs) it'd be fun to see how far people could could launch their popcorn but that type of stuff is super duper fun um i'm thinking back to tuna when we first met getting those changes to happen so fast or those moments where it seemed like time is racing against you backstage when I have to take off a dress and put on a shirt and a tie and or change a hat or a whatever. A wig? Yeah, All the a wigs. Wig. Oh my gosh. I remember my at one point too, and I don't know if it was in the middle of a show or a dress rehearsal during Tuna, but the bra that I was wearing um was magnetic, I think, in the back. And it fell off in my waitress uniform. Um <laughs> And so my bosom fell and was hanging around my waist in the waitress uniform in one of the scenes. I, I think I remember Nancy Joe laughing uh, at it at some point. It may have been during a rehearsal or dress or I don't remember. But that was one of those. I had an extra appendage just hanging down. was was just comical, too. <laughs> it was just a comical show. It is. What's one show you would love to do again? Maybe not necessarily the same role. Hmm. One of my high school professors was um, Randy Singali. He directed us in a performance of And They Dance Real Slow in Jackson, which my wife will tell you she's not a fan of because it's done way too much at one act. But nonetheless, the closeness of the cast is what made that show the most enjoyable. Um, It's a very emotional show. And it was one of those shows that I didn't know. I didn't know enough at the time to know how to dig deep because I had to play the father of a disabled young lady in a wheelchair. And I have a whole monologue where I'm drinking and I'm lamenting about what I've been given and how I'm supposed to raise this child with special needs. And I'm thinking as a high schooler, how am I supposed to dig that deep? So if I had to go back, if I could recreate that show with the emotional experience I've got to have in life now, that would be, I think I could do it justice. Um, but I truly enjoyed that the time with that guest. One of the things that makes me remember a show so vividly is the cast that I'm with. Right. And some casts are better than others, and it's not necessarily because you don't get along. It's just sometimes people just really, really mesh. Right. So I can definitely relate to that experience. And yeah. like there are just some shows where it may not have been that great of a show, but the cast, just the way we got along and the way we bonded. And um, that's one thing that I found interesting here in Brownwood. We only have two-week runs. Mm-hmm. In Dallas and in the past, I'm used to like seven, eight week runs where wow. you're with the same people. You've got two months of rehearsal together and then you've got two months of performances. So that's a what third of the year that you're mm-hmm. together. Yeah. So um, I found here at the Lyric with just the two weekends, 
you go through tech week and you're so tired and you you know, struggle through the first weekend and you're just so tired and then the second weekend you're on your you're on point everything's like working really well and right. you actually go out and do something social with the group and then it's over yeah <laughs> i mean i i realize you know the brown county is not humongous so they may not be just able to support longer run but i wish they did but yeah you get that you get all you get the blues kind of like after a show's over with because you spent that much time and then all of a sudden it's bang it's gone um which is funny hearing because sam just got done performing with one act play um for the brownwood middle school and it was almost the same experience for him they spent all this time working up the show and they got one performance at for competition and that's it he had that same thing he's like we did all this work and I only get one time and one time on stage with everybody. And I'm like, I know I get it. Like it's, you do, you build, you build that camaraderie. Um, and it's, it's great to, to carry you for that while. And it's, I can't imagine having, you know, that many weeks of run would be really fun. Well, yeah. And it turns out to be a different, completely different show by the end too, because, right. well, a lot it of the continue sh- to develop and yeah. change. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, what is a show that you really wish you could see at the Lyric? Maybe not necessarily be in, but see. Would it be Les Miserables or would it be something else? Uh, it would be Les Miserables, but I also would love to see us do Shrek. Shrek is just an all-around good time. Um, it does not take itself seriously. You have corny characters, funny characters, um, bad guy, good guy dragons really fun music that gets stuck in your head silly little props and gags it's it's a really fun show so i would i would love for that show to have an opportunity to be on the stage as well because i think the community would probably eat it up because you got families and kids that can come watch all right so what are you most looking forward to about clue we kind of touched on clue kind of talked about it a little bit but what are some of the things that you're really looking forward to i am most looking forward to i think building camaraderie with the new people that are on stage because there's people in this show that I haven't had the opportunity to work with on stage and I'm excited to work with um, because there's a lot of talent in this show. I'm also just really excited again to do fast-paced comedy stuff. Um, If you ask Larry, he'll tell you this too. Um, I think when we did Moon Over Buffalo, he and I both ended up losing weight because (laughs) there was so much sweating, running around from door-to-door physical comedy. And I feel like I'm going to get a piece of that again in this show. And again, it's it's tied to that nostalgia of the game everybody has played um, with well, the characters the movie, you've seen. I mean, I the movie came out in '85, mm-hmm. and that was like one of the big, you know, me growing up movies. You know, it's like I know great that cast. movie. Yeah, yeah great cast just, in that movie. Yeah, and it's just kind of my generation, I guess. Well, our generation, really, because yeah. you were what six? No. How old were you when it came out in 85? I was five. Oh, okay. But so you were a little younger than me. But. I was. But I, I got to watch that movie when I probably, when I, was, I think when I was closer to 13-ish is when I finally paid attention. But great cast um, in that movie. And then it's just a board game that I grew up playing with my family. Um, we played Clue for the first time with Sam probably about two to three weeks ago um, because he was given a Harry Potter version of Clue. And so introducing him to the concept of the game was fun. Uh, watching how he takes notes was fun. And I'll, I'll have to say he won one, I won one, because we played back-to-back. But it was, it's, it's just that. I mean, it's just it, it's fun to play, uh, and it's going to be equally as fun to do. It'll be a great show. 
All right, let's move on to our dramatic reading. <laughs> so I know you're going to do Chekhov. I am going to do Chekhov. Um, why don't, before we read it, why don't you give us a little idea of what we're going to read? Okay, so Anton Chekhov is the author of The Cherry Orchard, uh, which is what I chose for my reading. Um, this was a show that I got to do near the la- latter part of my time at Hardin-Simmons. And it's kind of, it's, it's got a funny place in my heart and my head also, because when I was in junior college, I got to do a um, spoof of this show called The Cherry Sisters, uh, where they merged three sisters and the cherry orchard together and uh, made fun of, of the Chekhov show that way. Um, and we also made fun of um, Antony and Cleopatra and kind of did a double show uh, mix-up thing. And um, I got to play a, a, a guy play, named Vesectimo, um, which was really funny. If you can guess what, what was special about my character. Uh, anyway... Got a fun nickname of Starfish for that show. But anyway, uh, running around being silly with a guy that had had a vasectomy. But anyway, <laughs> um, really fun show. Um, but The Cherry Orchard is Anton Chekhov. And the premise is you have basically a really wealthy guy who is trying to get his hands on this property uh, that would increase his wealth, increase his um, standing in society. Um, and you have... A family that this is what they've known. This is their their legacy. This is their land. Um, this is their livelihood. Um, and so, essentially, gathering near the end, you kind of have him trying to to take that from them. I actually in college directed a Chekhov one act, so I'm quite familiar cool. with Chekhov. And just for those that are listening, if you're not familiar with Anton Chekhov, he was a very famous playwright, Russian. Turn of the century or no before, eighteen hundreds, right? I think. Yeah, I think it's more. I think it's more eighteen hundreds. Yeah, um, it's been a while since I've been in college, but um, I am looking forward to hearing this. So, so the where I'm picking up in this show is kind of near the end, um, but essentially Lopakin, who is the the man who has the money uh, and the means, um, has basically just. Uh, weaseled his way to be able to get the land from the family. And so kind of picking up near the end of one of those scenes. My God, the cherry orchard is mine. Tell me that I'm drunk. Tell me that I'm out of my mind, that it's all a dream. Don't laugh at me. If my father and my grandfather could rise from their graves and see all that has happened, how their Yermolay, ignorant, beaten Yermolay, who used to run about barefoot in winter, how that weary Yermolay has bought the finest estate in the world. I have bought the estate where my father and grandfather were slaves, where they weren't even admitted into the kitchen. I'm asleep. I'm dreaming. It's all fancy. It is the work of your imagination plunged in the darkness of ignorance. She threw away the keys. She means to show that she's not the housewife now. (laughs) Well, no matter. Hey, musicians, play. I want to hear you. Come, all of you, and look how Yermele Lopatkin will take the axe to the cherry orchard. How the trees will fall to the ground. We will build houses on it. And our grandsons and great-grandsons 
will see a new life springing up in there. Music. Play up. Why? Why didn't you listen to me, dear lady? My poor friend. Oh, dear lady, there is no turning back now. Oh, if all this could be over. Oh, if, if our miserable, disjointed life could somehow soon be changed. What's that? Uh, musicians, play up. All must be as I wish it. Here comes the new master, the owner of the cherry orchard. I can pay for everything. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes I've thought of just like asking you to record some vocal songs and stuff. Just <laughs> I love your voice. You have an amazing voice. Thank you. All right. So this has been Jonathan Harvey. It's me. Thank you so much for your time. No, thank you for having me. And I cannot wait for Clue. You're going to be awesome. No, you're going to be awesome. <laughs> I'm super excited to watch you be dramatic. That's what I've seen from you. You get to play <laughs> dramatic women really well. So. Well, I kind of, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Thus ends another Waxing Lyrically. Have a great day, everybody. See ya. Welcome, monsieur. Sit yourself down and meet the best innkeeper in town. As for the rest, all of them crooks, rooking the guests and crooking the books. Seldom do you see honest men like me, a gent of good intent, who's content to be. Master of the house, doling out the charm, ready with a handshake and an open palm. Tells a saucy tale, makes a little stir. Customers appreciate a bon viveur, glad to do a friend a favor. Doesn't cost me to be nice, but nothing gets you nothing. Everything has got a little price. Master of the house, keeper of the zoo, ready to relieve him of a soup or two. Watering the wine, making up the weight, picking up the knickknacks when they can't see straight. Everybody loves the landlord, everybody's bosom friend. I do whatever pleases Jesus, won't I bleed him in the end? Master of the house, quick to catch your eye, never once a passerby to pass him by. Thanks for listening to Waxing Lyrically, sponsored by the one and only Teddy's Brew House in downtown Bronwood. If you enjoyed our podcast, why not share it with a friend? This is your announcer, Kurt Schneider, wishing all Brownwood Lyric Theater lovers a great day. See you next time. Here the goose is cooked. Here the fat is fried. And nothing's overlooked till I'm satisfied. Food beyond compare. 
food beyond belief. Mix it in a mixer and pretend it's beef. Kidney of a horse, liver of a cat, filling up the sausages with this and that. Residents are more than welcome. Bridal suite is occupied. Reasonable charges plus some little extras on the side. Charge them for the lights, extra for the mics, two percent for looking in the mirror twice. Here a little slice, there a little cut, three percent for sleeping with the window shut. When it comes to fixing prices, there are lots of tricks he knows. How it all increases, all in bits and pieces. Jesus, it's amazing how it grows. Everybody bless the land. 